Hello, family. Hello, friends. Thank you for tuning in to the Terry the Thriller Show. Uh, Today's topic, I'm talking about addiction and uh, addiction through the eyes of a child. Um, I'd like to start off by giving thanks to Father God, Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for giving me another blessed day to see the beautiful skies, to see the birds chirp, to see my children outside playing and have my wife around. Um, But let's get on into the topic today. The topic is addiction. Um, As a child, I I pretty much was exposed to addiction in an early, early, early age. Um, My mother was the one who suffered from addiction uh, from, I guess, from when I was younger all the way into I was probably 16 years old. Let me give you a briefing about my mother uh, background. Uh, she worked for a very, very prominent company downtown Detroit, Michigan, right off Jefferson. Uh, some of you all may know uh, the company, but um, I'm not going to list with the company name. Uh, she was a very high powerful woman back in the early 80s and early 90s, matter of fact. Uh, she was a director uh, slash vice president. Um, and she was just out there moving and shaking and things like that. Uh, her job was extremely stressful. It was so stressful that uh, she found ways of coping, which wasn't the best ways of coping. Um, I remember my mother used to go to a place by the name of Floods right after work every single day. Uh, this one particular time, my father and I was waiting on her. I had to be maybe around three or four years old. And I was waiting and I was waiting and I was waiting and I knew it was dark outside. I had no concept of time, but I knew it was dark and I knew my mother was supposed to be at home. So I remember laying in the bed with my father and my father told me, hey, Terry, let's get up. Uh, we about to go get your mama. And me being a kid, I'm I'm excited. I'm about to go see my mama. I'm about to see my mama. I'm excited because I was ready for my mom to come home. And it was a long time after work that I knew she should have been home. So I remember sitting in the back seat and we pulled up to this place by the name of Floods. I, I didn't get out because I was too young and I had on my PJs. But my father got out the car. Uh, I was sit- sitting in the back and I was looking through the window looking at him enter the building to get my mother. And I didn't understand what that really meant, but I knew it wasn't something that was supposed to be. Uh, From that day on, my mother never really stepped foot back in those bars or back in that particular bar. But uh, what she did was she brought her drinking home, which in another aspect, It was great that she was at home, but it was terrible for a young guy to see uh, the effects on, you know, their mother, you know, the person who is their queen, the light of their life. Uh, My mother was everything I I could ever imagine a woman to be, the best woman ever, but she had her downfalls, just like majority of us do. And her downfalls was uh, drinking. You know, she enjoyed drinking. Drinking was a part of her life to pretty much relieve the stress that she faced every single day going into that place and coming out of that place. 
you know, some people, they don't know how to channel stress into a positive light, uh, like working out or, um, you know, just doing something with your family. She channeled hers in order to make her numb. So with her channeling hers into making her numb, she became an alcoholic. Um, she would party at home by herself after work, which it would lead to a Code 45 or either Budweiser or either vodka and uh, uh, what's, what's that uh, club soda? I remember that. You know, that, that was the run what we would make together. You know, I'm always... You know, with my mother, I'm my mother's child, just like my father's child. But my dad, he was always working. He would work from sun up to sundown. And my sister at that time, she was a teenager, so I was the one always left at home with mom. And I was the one who got to see her drown her pain in liquor. Uh, she would turn on her music. And I thought it was normal. You turn on music, you have a good time. You know, uh, you drink. I didn't know what the effects of drinking would do until I saw her do it every single day. And sometime it was to the point where she may pass out right on that couch. And when my dad got home from work, he would have to take her upstairs. Of course, you know, me being a kid, I I thought she just went to sleep, but no, she actually passed out. And sometimes I would be asleep right there on her lap and she would be passed out. Um, it really didn't bother me because all I knew was I wanted to be around my mother and I love my mother, you know, throughout the, the smoking and the drinking. You know, uh, cigarettes was also a, a big part of her life, too. I mean, like most people, they smoke and they don't think they have a problem. But the thing is, when you wake up in the morning and you smoke that cigarette, when you got to have that cigarette on that lunch break, when you have to have that cigarette, when you walk out the door of your job, when you smoke inside of the car, when you go through almost a half a pack to a full pack in a day, that's when you know it's an addiction. I'm not trying to air my family business out, but the thing about it is, if I could save one person from picking up alcohol or picking up cigarettes because of the effects that it have on you and your family, then I've done my job. I don't want anything for it besides to save a kid or a grown-up from what I went through. So flipping back again to my mom, you know, uh, like I said in one of my previous podcasts, I had this mentality of the world had to revolve around me. And the reason why I felt the world had to revolve around me is because my mom used to medicate herself uh, through alcohol. So whenever I would want something just to like have me go away or, you know, just have me happy, she would buy me everything. So, of course, growing up, I had the newest shoes, the newest clothes, the, 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 the newest car that came out. I, I had everything I want. But really, I was I was lonely and I was sad. I was I was hurt because I knew my mom had a problem. 
you know, it, it was to the point to, you know, my mom had to go to Alcoholics Anonymous. And with her going to Alcoholics Anonymous, for me, it was great because she got to realize, oh yes, I do have a problem and I wanna make this right for my family. And I want a better life for me. You know, to me, it took courage for her to just admit I have a problem. I have so many people in my family, on both sides of my family, my mother's side and my father's side, that's either addicted to alcohol or cigarettes or weed or uh, some type of uh, pills or even overeating. I mean, addiction runs and it runs hard. It's Addiction starts as something, you know, real simple. It, start, it starts off as, I need this just to cope. So it's a dependency. And before you know it, it becomes a habit. And then after it becomes a habit and manifests into, I'm addicted to this. I can't live without it. I love the taste of it. I have to have it. And, and when that comes on, that's a monster. When that comes on, it tears up families. It, it, it kills people. I'm going to even take it a step further. So my mother went through Alcoholics Anonymous and uh, she got clean. She was clean. She was happy. She stopped drinking. She stopped smoking. Never once had a relapse. But her body was still calling for it. Her body still wanted it, you know, and she wasn't giving in to temptation. So instead of giving in to temptation, her body started fighting against her. And once her body started fighting against her, we started noticing smaller changes where one week my mother's face would be puffy. Uh, the next week, she her, her belly would swell out like she had a baby. But we used to joke about it like, oh, mama, you just got gas. You know, uh, or, you know, her feet would swell. We, we didn't know. And then another week, it happened to where she was perfectly fine again. It wasn't until, I want to say, um, probably my, uh, I want to say my 11th grade year. It had to be Christmas, like around, a little bit after Christmas, matter of fact. Matter of fact, it was after New Year's. She's still sober, not smoking anything. Excuse me. We went to the doctor because she just kept having these episodes where she just kept swelling. And uh, she was in the doctor. She went to the ER. And then from the ER, she ended up getting admitted into the hospital so they can figure out what was going on. They ran so many tests, numerous amount of tests. Come to find out, it was cancer. It was cancer, family. You know, it was something that was brought on from the drinking and was brought on from all the chemicals that was inside of those cigarettes. It turned out to be pancreatic cancer. And we all know, once your pancreas get hit with cancer, it's over and done. She was already at stage two. So I had from 11th grade to 12th grade with my mother, my sober mother, 
that I only had for maybe four years out of my life. Like my mother, I started to see a whole new side of her. I started to see a side where she was extremely smart, very intellectual, very intelligent. But she started to get into the Lord even more. And that was a side where I was brought up in the Catholic Church. And, um, you know, you had to be Catholic in order to go to Jesu. But um, I was brought up and I was brought up learning the Hail Marys and the Our Fathers and all of that stuff. But being Catholic, it doesn't stop addiction. So now let me flip to myself of when things started for me, you know, because I was a product of addiction. I was a product of seeing what my mother was doing. So when I took my first time trying to go outside and take some leaves and roll it up in notebook paper, I didn't think anything was wrong with it at all because it was a part of my normal life. I saw my mother doing it and my mother wouldn't do anything wrong. Hey, this is nothing wrong. Okay, you know? The guys on the basketball team, we had this ritual where we would go in the alley by the school and smoke Newports and Black and Miles, the whole basketball team. We in sixth, seventh, eighth grade. Uh, I don't condone this. I don't condone smoking at all, but I definitely don't condone it for a kid. Um, you know, so it was something where I started smoking, and I didn't think anything of it. Cigarettes, cigars, cherry blends, black and mouse. I didn't think none of it because it was something I saw, you know, on the regular. It was part of my normal life. Not knowing that I was already programming myself to be set up for addiction when I get older in my teenage years and in my early 20s. So I, later on in life, had a problem with smoking. With the drinking aspect, I remember popping beer bottle tops off of the dressers, and I thought it was cool. I thought I did something for my mother, like, hey, mama, look, I went ahead, I got this out the refrigerator for you, I popped the top, here you go. Not knowing that I was programming myself at a young age to say, hey, drinking is okay, and it's okay as long as you at home. So, of course, as a young child, I remember the first time I drank a beer. I had to be probably in the sixth, seventh grade. I got drunk as heck, I tell you. And I didn't like it. It was an acquired taste. But when I got older, what I saw when I was younger came back in and I enjoyed that taste of that Budweiser or that Bud Platinum or that Hennessy Brown or that Patron. Matter of fact, Bacardi Lemon, <laughs> Bacardi Lemon. I'm just playing. But, you know, I taught myself that all of these things are okay. Because it was learned and it was something that I saw while growing up. Now, my father, he never was really into, you know, drinking, smoking, 
you know, occasionally, you know, when you're around your family, you may take, he may take a drink or a sip, things like that. But my father was more like, I have to be on point for my family if my wife is drunk. I got to be on point for my kids if my wife isn't coherent enough to take care herself and them. So hats goes off to my dad because it could have easily been two people that had uh, addiction and a substance problem. Could have been two people and it could have been extremely bad on the flip side. So as I got older, I picked up smoking and drinking. The drinking, it wasn't an addiction like that. But the smoking was an addiction. I had something that I saw in common with my mother. And I saw something, excuse me, that I had in common with a ton of people that I ran with. The group of people that I surrounded myself with at that time. That group of people smoked Newports. Smoked Cool 100s. Smoke Philly Blunts at that time. Smoke Black and Miles, Cherry Blends, Golden Miles, and whatever else up under the sun. I was part of the clique. I was to the point where a pack of Black and Miles, I could go through that in a day. A pack of cigarettes, I could go through that a day. Okay, let's fast forward couple more years now oh shucks it's a habit it's an addiction I want to stop I don't know how to stop I'm throwing full packs of cigarettes out the car but another 30-40 minutes later I'm going back in the store buying another full pack because I'm addicted okay I'm putting packs of cigarettes up under the kitchen counter to hide it from myself. How in the heck you gonna hide a pack of cigarettes from yourself? But in my mind, I'm addicted, but it makes sense. Oh, I'm just gonna put it here and I'm not gonna go back. Matter of fact, I'm gonna go back and just take one. Matter of fact, I'm going to go back and I'm going to smoke that one and I'm going to only smoke half of it and I'm going to put it in the, the, the toilet student, flush it down. Oh, shucks, why did I only smoke half of that? Let me go back and get a, a full square, as they say. It wasn't until I had a child <clears throat> till I realized I'm addicted. It wasn't until I saw my son, my precious baby boy, knock on the sliding door of the apartment at the time that we lived in and cried at the door. He had to be two. He didn't cry because I was smoking. He cried because he couldn't get out on that patio with me. And I felt the need and the urge that was so strong to be out there and watch him cry on the inside while I took that hit. 
It had a hold of me. It had a hold of me. It had a hold of me. And you want to know something? It was because of my wife and my child the reason why I stopped. My wife told a lie, which this is the only time I'm going to let her slide with this. But at that time, I believed in psychics. I believed in supernatural. I still believe in certain things when it comes to supernatural. And I feel like God gives certain people to prophesize or to talk about certain things. But psychics, on another hand, you know, I don't know if they getting their powers from God. They could be getting their powers from the devil. But anyway, that's a whole nother subject. I don't want to talk about that. Um, my wife told me that this lady said, hey, if your husband keep on smoking, if he keep on smoking these cigarettes, about time he's 32, he's going to die. He's going to die from smoking cigarettes. And me being me, how prideful I am. I said, oh, I think I'm done. Because all I could think about was how I felt when my mother left me when I was 18. And all I could think about was how my son and how my wife would feel being left behind. And then the man side of me came out and said, man, do you really want another man raising your son? Teaching him all the things that you should have been here on earth teaching him but because you had that addiction going on so bad you decide to take yourself out of here and that's when I made it up in my mind I'm done with this and never looked back since then so 